never stop learning. I mean, when you're in an industry like marketing and digital that changes every day, you will become irrelevant if you stop learning. Welcome to the Marketing Innovators Podcast. This is the show for marketing innovators everywhere who want to push the boundaries of marketing and learn about cutting edge strategies and channels that are working today. Join us each week to hear from industry leading marketers as they share best practices and what is working for them. This episode is brought to you by 2Web. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At 2Web, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at 2Web.ca. Hey, Alex, welcome to the Marketing Innovators Podcast show here. And uh, we're excited to have you to learn a little bit more about your background. So uh, can you start by describing what your current role and uh, where are you now? Yeah, so my name is Alex Fischler and I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Impact Capital Funds. We are an interesting fintech company that involves a hybrid model for investors that want to invest in prime student loans as well as borrowers who are people that have loans here in the U.S., student loans, and we bring those loans to a lower rate. So we provide investors with what what they're looking for, which is return, and borrowers, which is lower rates on their student loans. Uh, We're an interesting model because of the hybrid approach we have. And yeah, that's pretty much what we do. An investment management company, as well as a refinance fintech all in one. That's really interesting. So can you tell us a little more about background, your personal backstory? Yeah. So I have a pretty interesting story. I mean, everyone probably says that, but my story is I went to school at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. I always wanted to be a lawyer, got a degree in political science. And then my last year of school, I worked at a digital agency and that's when I fell in love with marketing. And this was early list decade, 2011, 2010, when, you know, everything digital really started to pop up. So Facebook was growing, uh, LinkedIn became popular, AdWords was becoming a giant. So that's how I started. I mean, I've been in the, the industry for a while, mostly as a B2B marketer. So I've worked in cybersecurity, CRM, uh, as a demand generation marketer. Fast forward to 2018, I needed a new challenge in life. So I decided to come to the U.S. to get an MBA from the University of Notre Dame. Graduated here last year and then co-founded Impact Capital Funds because as a student who needed to take out loans, we saw a need for lowering the rates of student borrowers because our profile, you know, we get good jobs, we make good money and everything. We don't need to pay those high rates. So this idea basically came out as a need I had as me and a classmate had as students in in grad school. Well, that's great. I mean, great I born through those times of need. And and for sure, I think that this is a service that uh, I believe can really impact the way that student loans are managed and how they can be refinanced. Because a lot of times, you know, when you graduate, you're in so much debt and sometimes you don't get the opportunity that you're looking for right away. So then you are running across uh, some challenges where you have to find a job and start paying back the loan. So you help for need, right? Exactly, exactly. And we realized school is very expensive here in the U.S. So what we're trying to do is, based on the loans we refi, instead of keeping the money as profits, it goes back to our investors, one portion, and the other portion is allocated as scholarships because we see loans as necessary evil. 
but our, you know, our big carry audacious goal is to make sure school becomes more affordable for everyone who wants to attend school. So that's our long-term goal for, for impact capital. Great. So vision for, you know, impact uh, capital funds, where do you see this over the next two to three years? Yeah, so mostly we see ourselves working with students that graduate from medical school, law school, and business school, because historically, those three groups are the ones that have the highest loans by virtue of those schools being very expensive. And we see ourselves as a major player in the loan student loan space. And even though there's quite a lot of competitors, every year there is, I believe, over $100 billion of new loans being created because people go to school and they need to take out loans. So we don't see ourselves as just a refinancing company. We see ourselves as an impact investing company that's creating what we call a triple bottom line. So our investors get the returns. That's their bottom line. Students get scholarships and people that just graduated, borrowers, get lower rates. So we see ourselves as leaders in impact investing business in you know, the next five or 10 years. Great. While you're actually trying to achieve goals, what are maybe challenges that you foresee? Yeah, one of the challenges, there's various. One of them is the fact that we operate in quite a regulated industry. So what I mean by that is the financial industry in the U.S., everything is extremely regulated and we need lawyers and compliance officers to basically do anything. And as a startup that is backed by you know seed investors, we haven't raised, we raised our seed series, but we haven't raised any series A or anything like that. It's hard to go to market with a tight budget, I mean, you know, this requires various millions of dollars. That's one of the challenges. Now connected to that and more on the marketing side is a customer acquisition based on the profitability of this industry. Customer acquisition costs are extremely high. I mean, our competitors are paying up to $750 per borrower, something we just can't afford to do. So on the marketing side, one of the challenges is trying to acquire customers a different way, you know, borrowing this phrase from, from other sources, growth hacker way to leads as opposed to using traditional channels such as AdWords, Facebook, you know, Instagram ads, and so on. You know, customer so, acquisition costs can be really a killer. And, you know, especially if you tie that in with the lifetime value of the customer, you know, once you get a lead, you have to really convert that into obviously a, a customer. And that journey is really, really critical. Uh, there's a lot of touch points that have that journey. So let's talk a little bit more about that customer acquisition. I know a lot of companies, they struggle with bringing their acquisition costs down. And, you know, there's obviously acquisition costs on different industries. And have you used approaches or methodologies to help you bring that cost down? Yeah, and that's a very good question because we, we need to do that in order to survive. I mean, when you look at our LTV and we run our unit economics every quarter to see how much we can spend to make sure we can double our, what they call their CAC doubling time and see if we're profitable. And our investors are usually asking for this every quarter just to make sure you know we're not wasting their money. Uh, at this point, we've tried, we've experimented with the usual you know, social media AdWords, Facebook, and all that. And unfortunately, just the click is extremely high. We also have to work, we, we go against Facebook because according to Facebook, we are selling a product. We're, you know, we're selling, they don't like financial companies. They don't like fintechs. They say we go against their community rules. So 
it's, it's hard to navigate that and they don't really give you much warning. So the way we've structured our customer acquisition is not through those traditional channels. It's mostly through referral partners. So we have partners that offer other services that complement what we do, such as financial planning, such as software for paying back loans. And we just appear on those marketplaces and get referrals from there. Another way we do it is we have our investors, our institutions. So large institutions might have an endowment that they invest and they want to invest a portion to us. So then they could offer our service to their members. And obviously we offer them a better rate because we don't have to really go out there and get customers. So our acquisition costs are very low. So we can pass those savings to our clients. And that is our our main differentiator because we offer very low rates compared to other companies that have to go out there and hunt for customers. So in addition to like the low rates and, uh, you know, the value proposition that you're offering with those competitive rates, why would the customer be doing business with you? Are there other, other that make that differentiate your competitors? Yeah. So the first one is, and it's just has to do with rates is we offer 0% for the first three months. I mean, that has to do with rates mm-hmm. and other competitors offer It could be similar, but however, what we look at is the impact. People that refinance with us are basically funding a company that is generating scholarships for more people to go to school. So if you want to have more minority people attend your school or more, you know, first generation college people go to your school, we help you do that. And, you know, table stakes obviously are the most important rates. But if you're looking at us versus another competitor and we're offering you 2.9% and the competitor is using that money to pay their, you know, their shareholders, well, we use most of that money for scholarships. We, our value proposition is we are, you know, you are being, creating an impact for other people by refining with us. And best of all, it's not costing, costing you anything. So that's pretty much our value proposition. We're an impact focused company. Got it. So with regards to Facebook, I know that they can be very picky about these guidelines you mentioned earlier. How do you navigate through the through those challenges? Yeah, and that's something I'm navigating as we speak. Facebook gives you very little context on why your ads were not approved. They like to use the blanket term, violates community standards. Now, what are those community standards? It's up to you to figure out. Luckily, we work with an agency that sends several millions millions of dollars with their clients to Facebook every year. So they do have a human rep, but it still hasn't been helpful because uh, Facebook has this law that says, you know, you have to be an equal, equal opportunity lender so that you don't discriminate who you're targeting. However, we're targeting only prime borrowers. So there's a small conflict there. What we try to do is be as transparent with our ads, having disclosures, with our landing pages, having disclosures. And then some ads get approved, some ads don't get approved. We don't understand the algorithm. I mean, it makes no sense, but we always have backup ads and messaging and copy in case the first one, second, third one don't get approved. I would imagine be doing a lot of um, A-B testing where you're turning ads and seeing working what does get approved. Yeah, so ideally we, we did that, but then we figured even if you do that, one ad that looks the same as the other and there's just one variation in, in copy or in images won't get approved while the other one would. So there's, we're still trying to figure that out. I mean, if anyone has any ideas, I'm open to listening. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's one of the challenges with some of these platforms. I mean, they own tools and uh, sometimes uh, usually there's added checkpoints that they actually have the ad run through. And sometimes they would flag the ad and and uh, and block it from actually progressing further. And sometimes they would actually let So it's an interesting place of advertising. But uh, have you thought of other means such as uh, potentially, you know, uh, search engine optimization or, or Google optimization? Yeah, and that, that, that is a good question. But unfortunately, we operate in quite a competed industry where our competitors mm-hmm. have content and editorial teams that are ranking number one on Google. And we most likely won't get there in a while. So I see, I see search, you know, actually paid social and paid search as a way to jumpstart your marketing while your SEO takes effect. And SEO takes years to take effect, especially with keywords that are extremely high volume and high competition like student loans. So we are building a content function. We have a blog. We publish articles every week and we're trying to do some guest blogging to leverage link building. I understand link building is one of the most effective SEO methods there are, but it's going to be a while until we get there. On the same way, SEM, search engine marketing with uh, AdWords, since our uh, category is so profitable, it's very expensive. We're looking at clicks of over around $100. And based on the way we've optimized our funnel to this point, we can't afford to do $100 just yet. We need to optimize our funnels a little better for, for us to justify those prices. That is intense. I mean, $100 a click is quite a bit away. I mean, in terms of the competitive nature of your industry, I can imagine that it is a lucrative industry if uh, the ad space is concerned because the big players are paying that much and, and they continue to do so fast, uh, you know, for the past little while, must be getting some return. But you're right, it's just the, the budget that they have and the, and the deep pockets that they can actually spend in advertising to do those customer acquisitions that is helping them win the game. It's a tough market to tap into and some really big challenges here, you know, in front to actually overcome. So do you have a plan to tackle challenges or, or what would be the approach that you're thinking of to take? Yeah. So at this point, we're just launching our first fund. Our first fund is a $50 million fund. So if you look at the number of loans required for that, they're not that many. They're around 630, 650 loans that we need to refi. So there's other approaches such as we're launching old school approaches, I like to call them, with campus ambassadors, with people doing more offline methods as opposed to online where we can really get close to our target consumer and explain to them our value proposition. And now with COVID restrictions, you know, thankfully in, in the U.S. being over to some degree, we can really tap into that. At this point, we've decided that online marketing, specifically uh, search and social may not make the most sense now. So yeah, that's what I like about marketing, right? It's an iterative process that's always changing. And based on our learnings, we are changing quite a lot of things. We would like to get more into the content space with our blogs, with our white papers, sorry, our eBooks, even maybe even starting a podcast series. But yeah, also referrals. There's a lot in, in the referral side. You know, we're experimenting with paying current customers a referral fee, a referral, you know, bonus if they bring in a customer. So there's there's a lot of interesting propositions that don't involve the big tech giants. Yeah, no, it's uh, 
be smart about marketing. I think that, you know, just going back to one of the rules and I am a big believer of, it's Rutgers principle, one of the best uh, business minds of the century, that, you know, all business is, is marketing. And, you know, if you do that competitors, then you can actually be successful. You know, you have a very innovative product when it comes to, you know, impact capital funds. And uh, it's about getting it and getting it out there as soon as possible and aggressively as possible, better than your competitors. So you can actually take over that better because it seems that you do have a great option to offer to your customers. But it's about Yeah. And just to let everyone know, if you see your website, that is a placeholder website. Since our product is a web-based product, we are building a new website that will include access to our platform and our transunion and all the financial elements we need to have. That will be live at the end of April. So yeah, don't judge our current website. We are a startup and that was just uh, our first iteration of the website. As I said, with, with marketing, it's all iterate. So. Excellent. We'll definitely be including the link to the website and your profile as well in this, in the blog post uh, podcast. So which to some of the biggest opportunities that are out there for impact capital fund in your future, where do you see that? Do you still plan to tackle the space uh, where, you know, you have student loans and you're trying to refinance them, or do you see it going much further than that? And, and where would that be? Yeah. So that's a, a great question. We see the problem in student loans. Just for context, in the U.S., there's $1.7 trillion with a T dollars of you know, loans outstanding. That is more than credit card debt. That is more than auto financing than any other type of debt with the exception of mortgages, I believe. So it's a problem that's not going away. Schools are still being super expensive, so people need to pay for them and they're still taking out loans. The system really needs to change. So we see ourselves thriving in that environment. And the more loans we refi, the more money we create for scholarships on the back end for people to go to school without loans. So as much as we could refi, the best for, for us and for the impact we're creating. So yeah, we, we want to stay in the student loan space. I mean, there's various iterations of how to do student loans and refinancing. But yeah, we're not going into auto or mortgages or anything like that because it's a whole different animal. Got it. Got it. That's really good. I mean, I think, you know, targeting your specific audience, those students that are in debt and helping them out is the way to go. So that really, you know, I guess summarizes what the overall for impact capital funds is and, and moving forward. So if you were to go back yourself, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. that you had this experience to work in a digital agency and stuff. If you had to go back five or 10 years in your life and give some advice to your younger, what would that be? Yeah, that's a good idea. And I think that would be never stop learning. I mean, when you're in an industry like marketing and digital that changes every day, you will become irrelevant if you stop learning. If you're still preaching things that are no longer relevant, like the most, the best thing we have right now is our brains and how to use it. So just fill it up with, with information and, and never stop learning. I mean, I took two years off to, to go to school. But at the same time, I launched a company called Leadworks in the marketing space just to make sure that I was one of the reasons to make sure that I was re- that I, I had this fear of missing out. Oh, I'm going to forget how to use this, how to do all this marketing. So never start learning and just um, follow your passion. I mean, everyone says that, but it's, you know, there's no time to be in a job you don't like. I, I love what I do. I would never do anything that's, you know, not marketing. 
So yeah, that's pretty much it. I should write an article about that. Actually, LinkedIn had this series called Advice to My 22-Year-Old Self. And I found a lot of interesting knowledge there from very, very famous people now like Bill Gates and Elon Musk and so on that wrote those articles. So yeah, that's that's a good question. Well, you know, that article is definitely going to be a winner. I think never stop me is, is, is something that I believe in myself as well. And uh, a lot of the listeners also in that too. I think, you know, the day you stop learning, you stop progressing. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, uh, and, and life is about progress and you have to achieve and you have to, um, you know, progress is, uh, is part of being successful. That's, yeah, that's really important to everyone. You mentioned that, uh, you know, on LinkedIn, I, d- I didn't notice that you have a premium account there. So have you used LinkedIn personally for, you know, helping you reach out to connections for impact uh, funds? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's funny you bring that up because yeah. one of the reasons why I have a LinkedIn premium is that I get all the courses from lynda.com basically free. So I really like to learn from, from those. And they, they got some pretty good content there. I use it to reach out to people. But honestly, I think it's just a tool as opposed to just, you know, it, it's just a tool. I rather do email and, and find their emails and reach out personally. I don't like getting, you know, cold called from LinkedIn because most people don't do their research. And it just they end up looking like clowns saying, hey, do you need this? Well, if you, you know, read a little bit about my profile, you would see that we're not a match and so on. So it's a tool, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just another tool yes. in our toolbox. Got it. So before we wrap up, I mean, going back to my acquisition cost, the $750 and, you know, paying up to upwards of up to $100 per click. You know, it's, it's a challenge that I think is only becoming more and more saturated as the internet uh, becomes competitive. So you have these big players with deep pockets and they're spending more and more money. It makes it difficult for you to tap into that market and obviously makes it difficult for other new business uh, that are in, the, in a similar industry to tap into that market as well. It poses a big challenge and, um, you know, it leads me to believe that, you know, if you are paying per click, there is that return investment that they are still getting as a result. Mm-hmm if they continue to pay that. So have you thought of how to, you know, overcome that challenge? I mean, have you, like, I know we talked about, you know, potentially SEO and you're building a content strategy and a new website, but have you thought of other, any other marketing means such as like YouTube or, or LinkedIn or some of these other platforms to make use of them to drive your audience? Yeah. And I think, you know, all these big tech companies growing and getting so rich from paid search They've also created user-generated content and things like Instagram stories, TikTok, and so on. So I think we're trying to find a way to activate our current user base through those platforms, and they become our advocates having, with us having to bypass all these places like you know, the Googles of the world, the Facebooks of the world. And you know that's, that's the kind of marketing that really works, referral-based marketing, and having these great tools to amplify that message hey, it even works better. It's organic. You don't have to pay much for it. And, you know, it's people talking to people as opposed to a company talking to people. And I, I don't know about most people out there, but I've lost faith in what companies have to say. I much rather hear it from a user. And you see that, year, you know, when you go out and read Yelp reviews or G2 crowd reviews or anything like that. So uh, it's just activating the power of the crowd. And I think technology has enabled us to do that, especially something like student loans where there's in the U S such passion for this. People feel a lot of 
have a lot of things to say about this because it affects them so much. So it's activating your, your own small army of markers. Absolutely. Activating the power of the crowd. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that, that tagline. By all means. That's going to be, that's going to be your, your tagline for the title of this podcast, I think. Sounds um, good. So with regards to, and you're right. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like it's about yeah, every business needs to build a community of people that really vouch out for you, that really speak positively about you. And, you know, it's hard. You can't, and there's no shortcut to it, right? There's no, no there's no quick method. You have to really make a lot of effort. You have to establish relationships and you have to have customers go through your product in order for them to be able to leave that positive review and basically become, you know, evangelists of your business. So... Correct. We monitor uh, our NPS, we call our net, our, uh, net Promoter Score. We want to make sure that most of our people are promoters as opposed to detractors. So we do the big, you know, put a lot of effort into that, into building that community organically that you just said. That's right. That's right. Yes. It takes time because only over time, you know, once people start seeing positive, then you have the network effect. Right? You have people mm-hmm. telling us, oh, then they join your community. They learn about or your product. And you know, I think once they actually accept the benefits of what you have to offer, then it's a no-brainer in terms of making that choice. But it's about getting them to that stage in the journey where they can actually make that decision and move forward. So, Yeah. And you start there by building what I like to call a lovable product. They call it a, you know, the, the minimum viable product. I call it the minimum lovable product so that people start giving you the love to build that community and activate them as the power of the crowd. That's true. That's true. Excellent. Well, that's great, uh, Alex. So just to wrap up, where can people find you online and what is the best channel to connect with you? Yeah. So I've got my LinkedIn channel, uh, Alejandro Fishletter. That's my full name. And by email, it's easier. It's just my last name, F-I-S-H-L-E-D-E-R, fishletter at gmail.com. I'm always open to connecting, having great conversations adding value wherever I can. Yeah, just mentoring people and having all these sorts of uh, conversations with other marketers and, and business people as well. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time today to come to the Marketing Innovators Podcast. And I'm sure I'll have uh, learned a lot of your experience and uh, you'll, uh, you'll have a lot of follow-up from this, in this crowd here that uh, has listened to this. Okay? Yeah, thank you for inviting me, Muneep. It was great talking to you and Please let me know when this is out. I do want to share it to, to my network and so on. So yeah, just send me a link when it's ready. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, thanks a lot, Alex. Take care. Well, cool, thank you. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Innovators Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast. And remember to share this episode with your network. As we mentioned, this episode is brought to you by 2Web. We help your business thrive online. Learn more by visiting our website at 2web.ca.